Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots. It's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host, Ryan Gable. 
and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, airing five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, right here on GroundZero.radio and the Aftermath FM app. You can also search The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player to find the show after it airs, or you can find links to all the same on our website at www.thesecretteachings.info. And until 2023, every minute, every day until 2023, you can get access to our full archive without any advertisements, plus the montages, my digital books, and a private RSS feed, or take advantage of our book sale deal all on the website, all discounted until 2023. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com social media tst radio underscore underscore uh tst underscore underscore radio on twitter and facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings hope everybody had a good christmas weekend a good christmas break hope everybody got maybe what they wanted for christmas a nice present Uh, some people had emailed me and said that they appreciated that we did a show on friday so that we were uh giving them some company as we went into the Christmas weekend. Uh, didn't do a show last night. Had uh, last night off as part of our little Christmas break. Might also have uh, next Monday off. I'm not really sure yet because of the the New Year celebration, what's going to happen. But we will be on air every day this week. So don't worry because we missed last night. We will be here every day this week. Here in Tucson, it's kind of chilly, starting to warm up a little bit. But uh, it's going to probably be in the 60s with a lot of rain the next couple of days, which is it's about as wintry as we get here. Obviously, the rest of the country has been suffering from extreme temperatures, extremely cold temperatures, and some places not so abnormally extreme. I heard that the wind chill was negative 30, negative 31 in Chicago, but it was also negative 30 something in Chicago wind chill when Jesse Smollett faked that hate crime. Remember that? And people were wondering why were two guys with mega hats wandering around with a bottle of bleach and a noose at three o'clock in the morning, and they found this this black guy walking walking down the street and threw bleach out. And it turns out it was two, I believe it was two Nigerian men who were on video uh, buying the materials at the uh, behest of Jesse Smollett. So no no hate crimes in Chicago, so that's good. But it still got down to well negative 30 something degree wind chill. Even the place I grew up when I went to a high school in Morgantown, West Virginia, doesn't normally get extremely cold, but it was, I think in the single digits for a couple of days and negative, it's like negative four, negative five or something like that over the weekend. But it's, it's not, again, it's not too, too abnormal. It's the middle of winter. It's very cold out. And we have uh, winter storms, and some places get hit harder than others. And it's the same kind of a thing down here in in Tucson. It's kind of chilly. It's kind of cold, at least for me. And it makes it even colder when when there's some clouds out and we don't get direct sunlight because it's the desert, so it's a little chillier. And it's weird because here in Tucson, through the whole year, if you listen to the local news or if you read local newspapers, they talk about how... And in fact, I just saw an article before I came on the air tonight, how the Southwest of America is so hot in Phoenix and Tucson and other places, they're going to be 
uninhabitable in the next couple of years because it's it's just too hot. Now, I mean, you you, you personally might not like hot weather, dry or humid, but it's not uninhabitable. I, I, I mean, when I read that article, I was thinking, and this, that article was from a few months ago, I was thinking, I remember that same weekend that that article was published, I went to Phoenix that weekend, and they were talking about how Phoenix was just unlivable, and I went up there and it was like 90 degrees. It's, that's not unlivable. Some people prefer that. Some people prefer the cold weather. So it's, it's this bias. If you live in cold environments and you hear that it's 90 degrees in Phoenix and or 70 degrees in the middle of the night, you know, in, in Phoenix in the winter, that sounds outrageous because where you are, it's probably really cold if you're up north. Same kind of a thing if, you know, if you live in a hot environment and you don't have much perspective on the rest of the country or the world and you hear that there's a, a abnormally cold temperature someplace, you might think, well, that's that's climate change, right? Every, everything's climate change. If it's cold, if it's hot, if it's raining, if it's dry, if it's snow, if it's sleet, if it's hail, everything is climate change. Well, before we get into that, though, let, let's take a look at the weather. What has been happening over the last couple of days and, 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 and look at, I think it was 34 people according to the Associated Press, uh, as of Christmas Eve, who had died in winter storms this month. And I believe, according to the Associated Press, this was a separate article about Western New York and Buffalo in particular, 28 people died. But these kinds of snowstorms are not abnormal in places like Western New York and Buffalo. They're not abnormal in Chicago. These kinds of temperatures are not abnormal in uh, the northern United States. It's not abnormal to get these kinds of temperatures. So a lot of people die. A couple of, well, it's more like a couple dozen people die. Still a lot of people. And the question is always that I ask, how do these people die? Just like when there's heat waves and they tell us that a bunch of people died in the heat waves. How are people dying? That's a big question. Are people dying because they were too cold and they, they froze to death? In the heat waves, are people dying because they're so hot, their body overheats and they die? Usually the people that die in heat waves are dying because, usually because they're homeless. They, they don't have anywhere to take shelter or they didn't get to a shelter. And it's really hot for an extended period of time. They don't have any water. They, they probably don't have access to a lot of food. And so they're just literally exposed to those temperatures and they die. The, the average person is not dying from those temperatures in the same way that when it's extremely cold, Likewise, it's usually people that are homeless. It's usually people that don't have access to shelter, don't have access to, to, to food and water. It's people that are dying. Maybe it's from exposure. Maybe it's from other conditions. And 34 people, yeah, we always mourn the loss of life. We don't even know who these people were. I don't know who the 34 people were, or the 28 people in Buffalo. I don't know who they were. Maybe you did. I don't know. But the point is, people die every day from all sorts of things. Uh, 1,600 people die a day from heart disease, which is almost entirely preventable and reversible, treatable, curable. There's no Associated Press article about that every single day. Thousands of people die of drug overdoses, totally 100% preventable every single day. There's no news article about that. Nobody's telling you to be cautious about drugs, legal and, I'm talking about illegal drugs, but if you want to factor in legal drugs, we're talking about tens of thousands of people overdosing, and that's when they're taking the drugs as prescribed every year. People that are taking drugs, they didn't realize that it's fentanyl or whatever the case is. Things are laced with other things. I and mean, people, tens of thousands of people die from that. 
400,000 people die of smoking, which is 100% preventable every single year. There's no like mourning in society about those people that died of smoking or those people that died of heart disease or those people that died of legal or illegal drugs. But 28 people die in Western New York in Buffalo because of the weather. And suddenly it's a national crisis. It's a national emergency. You see how our priorities are slightly misplaced. It was so cold this weekend and over the last couple of days before the weekend, before Christmas, that NASA on Christmas Eve Eve published a report or a statement saying that, yes, it's freezing cold, but no, that doesn't mean climate change is a hoax. So if you haven't really followed why it's so cold and you just kind of go along with whatever's happening, temperatures plummeted in the United States last week and into this weekend and this week as a result of a polar vortex. This is officially according to the National Aeronautics and Space Administration that made sure that you know that the polar vortex doesn't mean that, quote, climate change isn't happening. In a tweet posted on Thursday last week, NASA Climate, a division of the space agency, pointed to the long-term trends since humanity began pouring greenhouse gases into the Earth's atmosphere. You know, greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide, which doesn't drive the jet stream. That would be the rotation of the Earth that drives the jet stream. That would be the sun and the moon that drive the rotation and the tilt of the Earth. So carbon dioxide doesn't do that. That's one of the primary reasons that weather changes and temperatures change and we have extreme or not so extreme weather. That's one of the major reasons. But greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide that don't actually affect the climate in the ways that they lead us to believe or methane. Methane's pretty bad, but we don't really hear a lot about methane. Uh, the only time we, I think we've even heard the, the word methane in the news recently was when the Nord Stream pipeline was blown up, not by Russia, admittedly now, but very likely by the United States. So, and, and that was, that was like the largest methane leak like ever, I think. Nobody cares about that. I mean, that's like the 400,000 people that die of smoking every year. Nobody cares about those 400,000 people. Nobody cares about the Nord Stream pipeline being blown up and all that methane going into the atmosphere. But what they do care about is you having a baby or you driving your car more than twice a week. That's, that's the bigger concern. It's not the private jets of the elite. It's not the Nord Stream pipeline. It's none of that. It's just you driving your car. It's not the tanks and the military equipment in Ukraine and Russia and various conflicts around the world using diesel fuel and blowing things up and spraying chemicals. That's just you and your car is really the big issue here. Anyway, I'm digressing. NASA Climate, a division of the space agency, they posted this in a tweet saying that you shouldn't be forgetting about climate change. It's not a hoax. It's real, even though you're almost frozen to death. On its website, NASA Climate explains that though the Earth's climate has changed throughout history, the rate of change being experienced since the dawn of the Industrial Revolution is unprecedented, approximately 10 times faster than the average rate of warming experienced following an ice age. The casual mechanism that explains our accelerating rate of warming, the greenhouse effect, was established in the mid-1800s. Yes, this was a time period in which uh, they used mercury for medicine, a time period in which they used mercury for dental treatments, a time in which we believed that, well, 
germs were the cause of every disease. We still believe that today. It couldn't be diet. It couldn't be lifestyle. It couldn't be stress. It couldn't be electricity. It couldn't be any of these things. NASA says it is undeniable that human activities have produced the atmospheric gases that have trapped more of the sun's energy in the Earth's system, according to their website. The article says, while the impulse to deny climate change based on the immediate weather conditions outside one's window is tempting, it's also worth remembering that the Earth's warming is a global phenomenon and that while one area may experience frigid temperatures, the planet as a whole continues to heat up. And that is a, an astounding statement because that is the argument I've been making for about a decade here on the show. I've been making that same exact argument. When people tell you, oh, it's a heat wave, it's so hot outside, I've been telling people this. Well, that might be your impulse to believe that climate change is real based on your immediate weather conditions. But if it's really, really hot where you are, it might not be so hot other places, which is what NASA is telling us. Don't forget, other places aren't as cold as they are right now. Overall, there's a warming trend. The problem here is they don't tell you where does that warming trend begin. Because they've admittedly, the IPCC, the National Panel on Climate Change, they've admittedly removed the medieval warm period. It's around 800 A.D. to 1300 A.D. This was a period, officially, when temperatures were warmer, roughly speaking, warmer than they are today. So how were temperatures warmer for about 500 years between 800 and 1300 A.D. than they are today? And that information, that data, that fact was inconvenient. That was the inconvenient truth. So the IPCC just literally removed that data point from their reports. That's official. That's not even a debatable thing. The other thing here is I've been recently reading a lot about uh, the ice ages or various ice ages. And this is, this is actually kind of something that I think is very important and very confusing. Um, I'm not an expert on this, but the ice age, when we say ice age, we're usually talking about roughly 12,000 years ago, 10,000 BC, 11,000 BC, somewhere around there when the, the ice age, as we call it, ended and things began to melt dramatically. And now we get the, the climates that we have today, temperatures that we have today. But that's not really 100 percent accurate. And climatologists and historians, uh, journalists, people that have researched this will tell you the same thing. It's not, it's not 100% accurate because the last ice age really lasted from about 100,000 years ago up until relatively recently. And some would argue that we're not actually out of the ice age. Temperatures might have become much more you know, warm and we might have... Uh, ice caps that perceptually have, have been melting, but a lot of this is based on how we perceive it in the moment. Like, for example, if you look at the Arctic regions of the Earth and you look at them in, well, if we're in the Northern Hemisphere, we look at them in the, the, uh, the wintertime, it's actually summer down there. So when the ice caps melt a little bit in their summer, up here in our winter, we say, well, that can't be. It's very cold outside. How are they melting? It must be global warming. Well, it's all about context, right? We've seen the same thing with uh, the Greenland ice, where we have photographs taken in the summertime, photographs taken in the wintertime. You know, our wintertime is different than the wintertime in the Arctic. Temperatures and the climate are different around the world. So 
we have this inconsistency. We have this, this, this lack of context to a lot of this stuff. So when NASA says, don't forget about climate change, doesn't mean just because it's cold that climate change isn't a real thing. I mean, that's the argument that people that really haven't believed in climate change have been arguing for a very long time. Just because it's warm somewhere doesn't mean that that's climate change. And again, how do you define climate change? Human-induced activity? Then how was it warmer in 800 AD than it is now? How was it warmer then? This is why a lot of scientists believe that, well, the last ice age really isn't over. Uh, If you go back to about 17,000 years ago, roughly, this is all official estimation, you get a period of time known as the last glacial maximum. This is when we had, you know, the, the, the largest amount of ice. I think this was like 17 to 24,000 years ago, somewhere around there. Uh, just rough estimates. We had the largest amounts of ice, and then it began to melt a little bit. And then we had the period known as, some of you probably will know this, the Younger Dryas period. And this was a very weird and dramatic change in the climate. The Younger Dryas was a rapid return to glacial conditions, which reduced the uh, the melting and reversed the climatic warming of the last glacial maximum. So the last glacial maximum, 17,000 years ago, things started to melt, and then suddenly the Younger Dryas period, and things began to freeze again, and then suddenly, just as quickly, the the planet began to warm again. And this is all at a time when mainline archaeology and whatnot will tell you that there were no humans, as, as we know humans, no human civilization available uh, to blame. This was just all naturally happening. Uh, and even if there was, if you believe in Graham Hancock's theory, they call it racist now, but um, I tend to believe that there were certainly advanced human civilization, advanced by some definition, on planet Earth around this time that were, uh, again, quote-unquote advanced. But that doesn't mean that that's why the temperatures changed. This was, this was a... a period of 100,000 years of cold temperatures, glaciers, freezing uh, uh, rains and snow and ice, and then things began to melt, and then things froze again, and things began to melt, and we're kind of in that period now. And in geological terms, I mean, basically you had 80 plus thousand years of, of ice age, and then things changed, and then changed again, then changed again. 20,000 years, even 10,000 years, hell, 2,000 years. And in terms of industrialization, what did NASA say? NASA said we began pouring greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. And we've known this since like the mid-1800s into the early 20th century. That's like 100 and let's say 50 solid years of industrialization. And that's not even the whole world. A lot of the world is still undeveloped. This is just industrial nations. So when you break it down like that, you've got a, basically a handful of super industrial nations over a period of a geologically insignificant amount of time that are being blamed for what otherwise would just be a natural shift, a natural, um, a natural cause. Now, they say that humans are accelerating this. Okay, well, it, 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 I mean, how do you define acceleration based on a certain period of time? Where's the context to this? Uh, about 14,500 years ago, the, the, the last glacial maximum began to end and Earth's climate shifted from a very glacial driven world to a very warmer 
uh, <clears throat> interglacial state. So at that period of time, things began to warm up and things began to melt. Then suddenly the Younger Dries happens and it freezes again. And that, and in geological terms, we're talking about just a few hundred to at base minimum, um, or I guess you could say base maximum, a few thousand years, which in geological terms is nothing. And temperatures change that dramatically, that rapidly. Now, that maybe that was because of something that came from space that hit the Earth. Maybe that was something that, I mean, it's clearly something that scientists don't fully understand. They have theories, but they don't know for sure. The point is, and the reason I'm explaining this to you, is from the last glacial maximum to the Younger Dryas to today, and then going back further, about 100,000 years of ice ages, uh, or of an ice age, a lot of scientists believe that we're still in an ice age. In fact, according to the journal Science, scientists have predicted that Earth is about 15 years away. That's not very, very far off. About 15 years away, this was in 2015. And the Telegraph newspaper published an article about this uh, kind of famously that we're 15 years away from a mini ice age. Now, they were using a model for the sun's activity. Oh, we can't trust models. I agree, we can't trust models. So we trust climate models, but not the, the model of the sun's activity. It's very, you know, like we're just cherry picking the data here. But a new model of the sun's activity shows that by 2030, we will see a 60% reduction in solar activity. A 60% reduction in solar activity means that what we're going to see is a, an, an, an incredibly rapid and, and um, well, freezing uh, temperature, rapid decline and, and freezing temperatures in the northern hemisphere. According to the journal Science, this decline in the northern hemisphere uh, temperatures would be similar to the freezing conditions seen in Western Europe during the 17th century. During that time, now known as the Little Ice Age, that's when the Thames, uh, the Thames River uh, in the United Kingdom froze for several weeks, which it hasn't done since. In, in other words, within the next seven years, roughly, and we're seeing the actual evidence of this, it's not just a prediction from eight years ago, we're seeing the actual evidence of this. The northern hemisphere is getting colder and colder and colder every year. Another year older, another year colder. They estimate a 60% reduction in the next seven years. It's consistent since 2015, roughly. But over the next seven years, the sun's power will have been reduced by about 60%, which means we will be plunged into another mini ice age. That doesn't mean we won't survive. It you know, doesn't mean that Everybody's going to die, but it's weird that the, the computer modeling and scientists have told us for a very long time that we're actually heading toward a period of global cooling, and at some point in the 70s and 80s, that turned to global warming, then it turned to climate change. Now, even though the evidence is pointing to, well, we're heading toward a mini ice age, NASA says, hey, 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 hold on a second. It might be freezing out there. That doesn't mean global warming is not a thing, because they're just trying to hold on to the justifications for forcing you into electric cars, for turning your power off, especially in the winter when it's cold, and for controlling every aspect of your life. They're looking for any and all justifications and saying, yeah, it's getting cold, we're heading toward an ice age, but actually it's it's actually global warming that's causing that to justify their power grab. I'm Ryan Gable, this is The Secret Teachings. 
another year older, another year colder. We'll be back. The Secret Teachings Radio Show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. From Ground Zero to the Secret Teachings. Keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. If you'd like to hear more of the Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. Now, science has always been politicized and science has always been used by individuals and by groups to advance faith, advance ego, advance certain belief systems. Back in the 70s, I wasn't alive, but generation previous to mine was told that the earth was cooling down, that we were heading into uh, an ice age, essentially. And then that changed sometime around the late 80s early to mid-90s, around the time of the uh, Biodiversity Summit with Maurice Strong in Rio de Janeiro, where they said that we needed to do things to, and this was all the time of the Club of Rome, we needed to do things to curb the population. We needed to do things to, well, take more control of the population, basically population control, population management. And one of the ways we could do this and to justify the things that we want to do internationally and globally, and this is what the Club of Rome said, they said that they wanted to use climate and pollution and environmentalism and and basically conservationism as an excuse to justify stripping away people's rights and preventing you from living life to the fullest, being free. Uh, And they wanted to use these justifications these, these are not my words. This is what the Club of Rome wrote. This is what they talked about uh, back in the 90s and all throughout the 90s. I mean, they've talked about this for a lot longer than that and at other uh, meetings and other groups and publications. But I'm just referencing the Club of Rome. 
And they said they're, they're looking at things like pollution and, and environmentalism and conservationism and ecology and using these things as an excuse to create activists and to justify doing the things that would basically shut down society and allow them to gobble up all of the resources and all of the wealth and to create what amounts to an Elysium society where the wealthy, powerful elites get to live on the space station and you get to live in poverty with equilibrium pills that are forced down your throat by robots on Earth. Uh, that idea in the movie Elysium is pretty close to what the global uh, international movements and groups and organizations and philanthropists have written about and have talked about themselves, that they want to use environmentalism as a justification to basically shut the world down. So it's kind of weird that as global cooling turned into global warming, turned into climate change, and all the Al Gore's predictions turned out to not be so true, that in 2015, scientists using a model of the sun's activity showed that within 15 years, which as of 2015 would have been 2030, so as of right now, that's seven years from now, that about 15 years from now, as of 2015, the Earth would enter into what they called a mini ice age, an ice age or a mini ice age that hasn't been seen since about the 17th century. They call this the Maunder Minimum, M-A-U-N-D-E-R, Maunder Minimum, or the Prolonged Sunspot Minimum. It was a period around 1645 to 1715, roughly, during which sunspot activity became exceedingly rare. I think it was like 50 sunspots were observed over 28 years, which is virtually nothing. And they believe that we are heading, based on the models of the sun's activity or patterns of the sun ac sun's activity, which rarely ever get talked about, uh, high levels of solar activity, high levels of flu and sickness, low levels, low levels of, well, sickness and illness. But low levels also mean cold temperatures. That's pretty straightforward. And high levels mean warmer temperatures. And the sun is moving into a period of minimum solar activity, uh, a period of, of, of minimum uh, sunspot activity. This is not a debatable thing. Uh, the same mainstream scientific uh, mindset that tells us all about climate change is also telling us that the sun is entering into a period of reduced solar activity, and that's going to lead to a, quote, mini ice age. Doesn't mean we won't survive. People survived in the 17th century. It just means that things are not going to get warmer. They're going to get colder. And the closer we get to 2030, and this is not a prediction from me, I'm reading you what these people have written. Uh, the Telegraph published a famous report on this back in 2015. The journal Science uh, published the story. Uh, the name of that story is, Is There a Mini Ice Age on the Horizon? That was 2015. Uh, they published that. Basically, things are going to get colder, and they're going to get a lot colder, and they're going to get colder a lot quicker. Now, if you live in places like, um, I don't know, Buffalo, New York, you're used to the snow and you're used to the ice and you're used to the cold temperatures. Western New York, Buffalo in particular, was the location, probably, if we're basing this on human life, the, the worst hit from the recent winter storms. 28 people died in Buffalo. A total of 34 people overall died across the United States. So six people outside of Buffalo died as a result of these storms. But when the Associated Press says frigid storms across the U.S. claim 34 lives, 28 of them at least were in Buffalo. 
So that's where the, the, the heart of the action was, in essence. But it sounds more dangerous. It sounds more deadly if you say 34 people across the whole country. But almost all of them were in one city in western New York. This is part of the way that data and facts can be skewed to imply so that you assume certain points of view uh, and certain belief systems. Now, there's no doubt that the storms that have been hitting the northern United States, even down to, uh, I would say, what we would call the south, uh, there's no doubt. I mean, even Orlando was like, I think I saw Orlando was like in the 20, 20, 30 degrees, which is not necessarily abnormal, but uh, it's, you know, it's very cold uh, and very, very um, abnormal for some people. If you're basing your definition of abnormality on what you can remember, because that's that's what always, that's what people always say, right? Well, I don't remember ever getting this cold. I remember ever getting this hot. I don't remember ever getting this much rain or this much snow or but remember it not raining for this many days or this many months. Like, is, is our memory really the best piece of scientific information that, 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 that we, can, we can get? I, I think that we can do better than just what do we remember and then basing our beliefs off of that. And that's all the confirmation bias. It doesn't matter if you believe, quote unquote, in climate change or you don't believe in climate change. The fact is that we just base our beliefs on our politics and what is virtuous as we perceive it and what we, we remember and how cold or how hot is it right now where you are. And that's what you believe. If it's really cold, then global warming doesn't exist. But if you believe in global warming and it's still really cold, that means global warming caused the cold. And that's what NASA is saying. NASA says, yep, it's freezing. That doesn't mean climate change is a hoax. And listen to this statement. This was a Yahoo News article. While the impulse to deny climate change based on the immediate weather conditions outside one's window is tempting, it's also worth remembering that the Earth's warming is a global phenomenon and that while one area may experience frigid temperatures, the planet as a whole continues to heat up. Well, I would agree with that, actually. That's pretty much what I've been saying here on The Secret Teachings for a very long time. In fact, when they tell you there's droughts in this part of the country, sure, there's that droughts there, but in other places they're getting a lot of rain. It doesn't mean climate change is causing that in the same way that you look out the window and it's, you know, really hot. You can see the heat coming up off the pavement. Well, you probably have an inv- an impulse to believe that that's climate change when it's 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 just the summer solstice, you know. So they're using th- th- this argument to justify, although it's cold, it's still the cult. It's still the belief system. It's still climate change. However, you define that uh, because they've you know when when you cut out time periods like the medieval warm period which was warmer than it is now then how how can you how can you say that this is based on science because science doesn't just cut out data points science doesn't cut out information and facts actually a lot of scientists do do that because that's how they justify and confirm whether it's an archaeology or it's in climatology. That's how they confirm their bias. Whether it's because of money, or it's because of threats, or it's because of ego, or arrogance, or whatever. That's how they justify it. Well, this data over here shows us that what we ultimately believe is wrong. So let's just cut that data out so that what we believe is is, is still right. We'll just throw that data in the trash. I mean, it's basically like what the Smithsonian has been accused of for, for decades. Getting rid of giant bones destroying artifacts and it's not just the smithsonian i mean uh, museums and scientists and malta have been accused of this for decades uh because they don't want 
the the history of Malta to go back to the Paleolithic times. They want it all to be Neolithic, and they don't believe there were advanced humans in Malta at that time, despite the land bridge uh, to Sicily and all the way to the mainland to Italy. So it's the same, whether it's the Smithsonian or it's Malta or it's anywhere else in the world, uh, scientists, archaeologists, climatologists have a long history of just literally getting rid of artifacts, destroying uh, uh, bodily remains, uh, destroying and distorting data. Uh, none of this is a new thing. And this is essentially what we're seeing with modern climatology. Uh it's basically the climate equivalent of 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 the um, oh what what was the what was that character called uh, Piltdown Man and Piltdown Man was supposed to be this link between uh, humans and monkeys. It turns out that it was all a hoax, but it was mainline orthodox science for about fifty something years until it turned out to be well all made up and it was a hoax and it was it wasn't real. The skull was modern. It wasn't the link between humans and apes. But Piltdown Man is a great example. 50-something years of fraud. 50-something years of people going to universities and being taught about it. And it all turns out to be untrue. So the question here is, how do we quantify global warming and climate change when temperatures are increasingly colder and colder and colder every year? Maybe in some places they feel warm. You know, the temperatures are warm, and maybe in the summertime it feels pretty warm. Is that because temperatures are are steadily increasing consistently and getting warmer and warmer and warmer, or is that your bias? Because I flipped on uh, I flipped on the, uh, the radio here in Tucson, what was this, like six months ago, and there was one of those weather reports that was saying in, in Tucson it's been colder than average, not warmer than average. But if, you, if you're in a place where it doesn't usually get above 80 degrees and you look at Tucson and it's 115, you're thinking, well, that's global warming. No, it's just this is one of the hottest places in the United States. It's going to be 115 degrees. And even that, it's actually been cooler here in Tucson over the last couple of years than it had been prior. It, it's been cooler here uh, the last couple of years than it was when I lived here in 2000, was it 17? It's been cooler. And that's not a debatable thing. That's scientifically factual. So the issue here is what what they do is when NASA says this is what their article says, and this is what the report says from NASA. When NASA goes in and says the Earth's climate has changed throughout history, they, they acknowledge that. But they say you can't not acknowledge that there's been an unprecedented rate of change since the mid-1800s. But that's a short period of time, is it not? We're talking about a hundred and something years of industrialization and just a handful of nations that have been uber industrial prior to that when you had a hundred thousand years of ice age and then you had a you had the last glacial maximum about seventeen thousand years ago and then you had a meltdown there was no human activity responsible for that meltdown and then you suddenly had the younger driest period where things got cold again and then they got warm again and then here we are today and in the in that short period of geological time Things change dramatically and rapidly without any human activity. So what is causing the perceptual perceptual warming today? Is there even perception? Is there perceptual warming? I mean, you can perceive it. Is that a real thing or is that just based on where you look in the chart, where you look in the graph? That's that's one of the biggest issues here. It's cherry picking data. If you have a graph 
that goes up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And then when you take it from the down marker and you watch it go up again, the trend is that it goes up and down. But if you show people, actually, it's been going down, 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 down because you isolate that part of the chart and then you show it going up, 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 up. It's not abnormal. That's the trend is up and down, but they only show you the downtrend. So when it starts to go up, then it's abnormal and then they can justify whatever they want to justify. According to the Canadian press, there's a paradox between warming climate and what we're witnessing and experiencing as extreme storms. According to John Clogg, or Clo, probably Clo, probably French, a professor of geoscience at Simon Fraser University in British Columbia, quote, what climate modelers are finding is that climate change involves more frequent extremes. Well, if that's what they're finding now, why didn't they find that a decade ago when they were doing the computer modeling? Why didn't they do this two decades ago when they were doing the computer modeling? When they were telling us that, oh, you know, by 2014, a lot of the ice caps will be melted and Miami's going to be underwater. And then none of that stuff turned out to be true. And then Al Gore made a second movie lying to you. Why didn't they know this from the beginning? All the computer models got better. Did the computer models get better? Or did real scientists show that the solar activity of the sun was being reduced naturally and that within about 15 years, or 2030, we're going to experience a mini ice age with frigid temperatures much more cold and sustained than they are today. And we're going to continue to see that over the next couple of years until 2030. Maybe it's because real scientists found that and the fake scientists on the gravy train of climate fraud and the climate cult and the climate religion said, well, we have to justify our beliefs and we have to find a way to discredit the mini ice age Science. So they said, well, global warming and climate change, it can actually be can be the the causative agent in why temperatures are declining. So they just hijack the mini ice age data and they make it their own to justify their false narrative. That's basically what's happening. Uh, Now, this professor of geoscience in B.C. says he's going to explain to you what it means. That means during summer, you can have extreme high temperatures kind of life-threatening high temperatures, such as they've experienced in India and Pakistan in recent years. And you can also have during winter these extreme cold conditions. Uh, That is the most ludicrous statement I think I've ever read. I mean, that would be like me saying, well, climate change is real, and that means you have to drive an electric car and you can't have an air conditioner. And then someone says, well, can you can you explain can you prove it to me can you how what do you mean climate change is real how do you define that way you're going to take my car away and i can't have an air conditioner you better have some damn good justification for for telling me this and for trying to force me to to adapt to what you want me to how you want me to live and they say well um we can predict it and we can tell you what it means because when it's summertime it's going to be hot and when it's wintertime it's going to be cold and then it's summertime and it's hot and you're like, oh my God, that scientist was right. I I have to get rid of my car and my air conditioner. The guy literally says you're going to have extreme high temperatures in the summer and extreme cold temperatures in the winter. That's called the changing of the seasons, isn't it? Because it's like, it's like what? It's like negative. It was like negative one degree or something. I saw negative two degrees in Boise, Idaho a few weeks ago. I lived in Boise for like four years. And then I know in the summertime it gets up to 100. It'll go from 100 degrees down to zero degrees. Why? Well, when it's zero degrees, it's winter. And when it's 100 degrees, it's summer. 
That's science, but that's, that's just very misleading. But here's the thing that really gets me, and this is what the Canadian press reported. One of the reasons for the extremes, you mean summer and winter, involves the jet stream, defined by Environment Canada as a narrow band of strong winds about 10 kilometers above the earth, marking the dividing line between warm and cold air masses. Now, for those of you who don't remember earth science, I'm going to read this to you from weather.gov. This is the definition of the jet stream. The jet stream is defined as such. The earth's rotation is responsible for the jet stream. The motion of the air is not directly north and south, but is affected by the momentum the air has as it moves away from the equator. The reason has to do with momentum and how fast a location on or above the Earth moves relative to the Earth's axis. Now, I'm not a proponent of spraying insecticides, herbicides, and pesticides. I've, uh, for most of my adult life, walked or biked or taken a bus. I do own a car now. Um, I try to live pretty simply. And I try not to do things that are try not to do things that are excessive. Maybe that balances out in some other ways. But uh, what I'm getting at here is the Earth's axis and the momentum of the Earth relative to the, uh, the location above, or I should say, how fast the location on or above the Earth moves relative to the axis of the Earth. That's what affects the climate. Not me driving a car, not me having a child, not me breathing, not me having an air conditioner. This is what affects the jet stream. No matter how many cars you don't drive and how many kids you don't have, it has zero effect on the momentum of the Earth. It has zero effect on the Earth's axis. Earthquakes affect that more than you. Hell, the Nord Stream pipeline being blown up released more methane into the atmosphere than that you'll have you you won't admit a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of that in your community in your state in your in most countries over decades and decades and decades of 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 using the the terrible things we use today like electricity and coal and all these horrible things right so the point is the earth's rotation is responsible for the jet stream think about that for a second the earth's rotation is responsible for the jet stream you're not doing that by driving a vehicle. You're not doing that by driving a, a, a car and taking a vacation, by having a child, by running your air conditioner. I'm not a proponent of meat myself, but uh, animal agriculture isn't causing the Earth's axis to change and alter the jet stream. You know what else affects those things? The moon, the sun. That affects the jet stream. That affects the Earth. You know, it's the same thing with Private air travel, private jets, private jets and the Nord Stream pipeline. Think about those two things in combination. Individually, whoever was responsible for blowing the Nord Stream pipeline up, they are responsible for releasing more methane into the atmosphere than you and your family and your extended family and your friends and your whole community and your whole city are going to emit in God knows how long, probably a decade or more, maybe a couple of decades. A single private jet emits more carbon dioxide in a flight than you emit in a year. And they fly them all around the country and around the world telling people how they shouldn't drive cars and have air conditioners. Again, 
what's happening here is you have a separate segment of society, a breakaway civilization, if you will, that wants to control all of the wealth, all of the resources, that want to control how you think and how you live. And they've created this Elysium mindset where they get to live in the space station and you get to live with robots in the dirty, filthy earth taking equilibrium pills. So they tell you that it's not the sun and the moon. It's not the earth's rotation. It's not the momentum of the planet that's responsible for climate shifts. It's you driving your tiny little car to go get groceries that you can't afford. It's you putting your child in the back seat. That baby poops, that baby farts, that baby burps. Those are dangerous gases. When you start to see it from this point of view, you recognize it's a giant freaking joke. They're literally blaming the Earth's axis, the sun and the moon, on whether or not you run your air conditioning. That is beyond absurd, beyond ludicrous. You don't control the axis of the Earth, do you? Do you control the sun or the moon? No. And where is the sun heading right now? The sun is heading into a period of minimum activity. So what's going to happen? Things are going to get cold. You know those those cultures that practiced human sacrifice? Um, and you know when you... You look at like a depiction of that. You see like the priests and they, you know, hold the heart up or they're cutting somebody open. And this isn't just in South America. And um, I think a lot of that's also kind of meant to demean the advancement of those South American, Central American uh, tribes and civilizations. But certainly people have practiced human sacrifice throughout all of human history. But my point is there were always priests behind the scene. Uh, In Egypt, the priests controlled the pharaohs. Now, what exactly were these priests educated in? What made them powerful? They understood natural things. They were basically scientists. They weren't like religious priests like we think about priests today. They were, well, they were versed in mathematics and astronomy. They knew when there was going to be an eclipse. They could tell people that if you don't give us power, if you don't do what we want you to do, we'll blacken out the sun. So what happens? You begin to think that those people have that kind of power. They can darken the sun. They can make it rain. They essentially become gods because they can predict when things are going to happen because they know, well, they basically, they understand nature, to put it quite simply. You know, if you didn't have any modern knowledge and you spoke to, um, a computer modeler who, I mean, basically like a weather forecaster who uses computer models and radar. And you are, you're coming from a point of view, you don't know anything about modern technology. And that weather forecaster tells you tomorrow it's going to be nice and warm. And then the next day it's going to rain. And you think that, you know, it's magic because they were able to predict it. They're not really pr- predicting it. I mean, the computer is just using patterns and, you know, we understand patterns in nature and we, we, can see when things are going to happen. That's that's what the priests used to do. That's what's happening today. The people that are pushing this narrative are basically like the priests in Egypt, the priests in South America, the priests anywhere else in the world that were basically scientists that understood how things worked, knew that the average person didn't know how to read or write, and so they used that knowledge to wow and to awe and to terrify the illiterate and the ignorant. And they therefore positioned themselves as gods and told them, this is what you have to do or we will do this. We will block the sun out. Now, it is 2022 
almost 2023. And this is basically the state of affairs in the world. A priestly class dictating to us how we have to live our lives. Now, I don't know if you've noticed it. I don't know if you've recognized this. Over the last three years, things have changed dramatically. And I'm not talking about the so-called pandemic. I'm talking about how government policy responding to the so-called pandemic led to shortages of food and products because of lockdowns and quarantines and how rather than those policies being blamed for that, the war in Ukraine, according to the UN, is causing all of the, the problems that were a result of pandemic policy. In fact, the UN says that war in Ukraine is creating the, global, uh, the greatest global food crisis since World War II. That's inaccurate. It's actually the greatest global food crisis since, well, according to the New York Times, back in March of 2021, instead of a coronavirus, the hunger will kill us. A global food crisis looms. It's actually the global food crisis created because of policies based on, well, overreactions to the pandemic. But they're not really overreactions. They're, they're basically responses that are planned and organized. So look at the pandemic and look at Ukraine and look at the responses that we have had and look at the repercussions. And then remember that in the United States, we had dozens of food manufacturing facilities bombed or blown up or whatever. They were attacked or planes hit them or they most of them caught on fire and exploded. Remember the threats of cyber attacks, attacks on infrastructure. And now we've had from the East Coast to the West Coast, from North to South, attacks on power plants, attacks on transmission lines shutting the power off, rolling blackouts because there's not enough power to go around in places like Tennessee. I want to tell you what all of that means when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food Philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with the DavidKnightShow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. 
Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. listening to the secret teachings radio i'm your host ryan gable thank you so much for joining us it is tuesday december 27th 2022 the week after christmas the week before the new year begins if you go to our website you can find our new year and christmas and black friday extended holiday holy day sale for my digital books and for the show archive, montages, and more. It's all at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. And if you're listening to The Secret Teachings on a player or an application, some kind of radio player, radio application, something like that, please leave us a review. Let us and others know what you think of the show. Particularly if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate that. And it's a way to help us and to help grow the show. If you don't have you know, money to buy a book or subscribe, you can always just leave us a review and give us a couple of stars, whatever you think we deserve. Another year older, another year colder. Freezing temperatures all over the United States. Even down here in Tucson, Arizona, it's been pretty cold. I saw even down in Florida, my home state in Orlando, where I lived a lot of, a lot of years didn't get cold very often, but it was down in the teens or the 20s, somewhere around there last week. Very, very cold temperatures. I'm pretty cold no matter what the temperature is if I'm not in like 80 or 90 degree weather. But cold temperatures up north, are, I don't think I could deal with it. I think I might I might actually freeze to death. Uh, negative 30 degree wind chill in Chicago. Negative something wind chill in Morgantown, West Virginia, where I went to high school. Really, really cold. The Pacific Northwest, that's always kind of miserable and rainy and cloudy up there. But freezing temperatures, snow, icy conditions all over the United States. And things in places like Chicago were you know, were so cold, I thought Jesse Smollett was going to come out for another attempt at the fake racial hate attack, uh, that racial hate crime. But turns out uh, he's got some other things to deal with. But NASA saw the cold weather as an opportunity not to spread fake information about racism. They saw it as an opportunity to tell people, hey, it's cold outside, yes, but that doesn't mean global warming is not a real thing. We had this polar vortex across the country, and NASA said that polar vortex is actually proof that global warming is real. The Canadian press says that Climate modelers, according to John Clough of the Simon Fraser University Geosciences Department, climate modelers are finding that climate change involves more frequent extremes. Why they didn't find that 10, 15 years ago, maybe the computer models are getting better. But now that we're approaching 2030 and temperatures are actually decreasing quite consistently and we're getting colder and colder and colder winters, We go back to 2015 when scientists told us that based on models of the sun's activity over hundreds of years, by 2030, the star, 
the sun, solar activity will have been reduced 60% from 2015 to 2030, meaning we will see a mini ice age. And as we approach that, NASA says, no, 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 no. It's not the sun. It's actually global warming. It's actually climate change. And that's what's causing these extreme fluctuations in the weather. So I may not be the smartest person in the world, but I'd like to ask a question to all these NASA scientists that nobody else would ask. Why is it that the medieval warm period has been removed from the IPCC record? Why is it that when we look at charts, we look at graphs, we look at lines, and we see things where the overall consistency of the pattern is up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. Why do you focus on the downward cold trend and then zoom in and then show us the warming trend, which is natural, but if you only focus on the cold trend and then suddenly it gets warm, then it seems as if temperatures are increasing. I'd like to ask these NASA scientists and these IPCC scientists, um, IPCC, International Panel of Climate Change, uh, or Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, I'd like to ask them why not only have they removed the medieval warm period and why they focus on those little tiny you know, parts of the graph rather than the whole graph, I'd like to ask what exactly do they know about the last glacial maximum? What do they know about the younger driest period? Were there humans on Earth that made the ice melt? Or was that, were those natural conditions? What suddenly, during the younger driest, led to a re-glaciation of much of the world? What led to cold temperatures again after the ice had started to melt? And then what, after the younger driest, caused uh, temperatures to increase again? Humans weren't responsible for any of that, right? So for NASA to say what NASA said, they tweeted about this, they said that it's undeniable that human activities have produced the atmospheric gases that have trapped more of the sun's energy in the Earth's system. They say the casual mechanism that explains our accelerating rate of warming, the greenhouse effect, was established in the mid-1800s. Why? Well, because of industrialization. But it's weird how humans, just over 100 years, roughly, and only in a handful of industrial countries, have caused the Earth to change so dramatically. If it was changing that dramatically, don't you think we'd actually see evidence of that? The only evidence we see is that things are getting colder, and they're getting colder quicker because we're moving into an ice age. And if you look at, this is fascinating, if you look at NOAA, N-O-A-A, NOAA's, uh, what do they call this, the U.S. Climate Reference Network, they have 114 stations that monitor temperatures and things like that across the United States in the countryside. If you look at the temperature gauges and the, uh, the little weather stations they have across the country outside of big cities, they actually show there's been zero warming trend. The only place you find warming trend is when you put those weather that are sensitive devices in cities or at airports. That's when you find that there are, quote, trends. If you look out in the countryside away from, quote, civilization, you find, according to U.S. meteorologist Anthony Watts, that the data compiled over 100 plus NOAA stations in urban areas or outside of urban areas, rather, in the countryside show no warming trend. The data is and has been for a very long time being tampered with. Anything that can be used, including cold temperatures, anything that can be used to justify 
not even the narrative, but the response to the narrative. The what can we do to stop these dangerous trends? What can we do to stop the heat waves? What can we do to stop the earth from warming up? Now, the irony here is, if you were a real scientist, or if you you know, maybe have taken a look at the data yourself, or if you've you ever tried to read a um, read a chart or a graph or something that you know some some smart scientists published, you'd actually realize that warming temperatures, relatively speaking, are actually a very good thing. Why are they a good thing? Well, they do a couple of of things. Number one, if it's warming because of CO two, the Earth right now is more green than it was 15, 20, 30 years ago. According to satellite data, the Earth is greener and less brown today than it has been for like, it's like since 1980s. That's the first thing. The second thing is, the Lancet reported, and I believe this was in 2021, so it was like a year and a half, year, year and a half ago, somewhere around there, that every year annually, and this is a rough estimate, but it's, it's pretty close to, to being very, um, very specific, that on average, more people die from cold than from heat. Now, not like 10 to 9 or 15 to 5. We're talking like 4,500,000 plus thousand people a year die from cold. Less than half a million die from heat. Each year, according to the Lancet, warming temperatures where you have them save hundreds of thousands of lives. So by their own admission, in the scientific mainstream, if the climate is shifting and the temperatures are increasing, contrary to taking lives, this will actually save lives. Now, people that die from extreme temperatures, though, that's not a good thing, right? They don't have air conditioners, right? So that's not a good thing. But air conditioners could actually save people's lives, right? But they're not allowed to have those air conditioners even in developed nations, let alone undeveloped nations. So if we just had air conditioners and adapted to that, that heat, the people that need those air conditioners, then they wouldn't succumb to the heat and they wouldn't die. In the same way that the Associated Press reported that 34 people died over the Christmas weekend because of extreme weather, because of cold temperatures, what they didn't tell you is almost every single one of those people died in Buffalo, which got, I think, one of the worst effects from that storm, largely because of, I think, the lake effect there in Buffalo. That's very misleading. 34 people didn't die across the United States. They, they mostly died in one city. In the same way that we have the, these heat waves we hear about every summer. But who dies in those heat waves? I can tell you who dies here in Tucson in the heat waves. It's not people that have a house. It's not people that can get shelter. It's homeless people. It's also people that are drugged out, strung out on the streets. Those are the people that die in the heat waves. In other words... Modern civilization protects us from the elements, right? We have a couple of walls. We have an air conditioner. We can at least get shade. We have water. We have a refrigerator. More development, more modernization, more technology, more civilization means that less people die from whether it's extreme cold or it's extreme heat. More modernization, more technology. I'm not talking about computers and robots, but, you know, air conditioners, refrigerators, more technology will actually help us to save lives, whether we're talking about cold temperatures, which kill a lot more, or warm temperatures, which kill a lot less, but still kill some people. And then you have to ask who's being 
you know, who's being affected by that. It's usually homeless people. It's people that, you know, that are older, that don't have air conditioning, things like that. And that's pretty consistent across the board. That's, that's, that's who's dying in these storms. It's in, in places like Buffalo. If you live in Buffalo, what do you think is going to happen? It's like if you live in Tucson in the summer, it's 115. What do you think is going to happen? But 115 is still below the average it's been here in Tucson, according to local news. That the same local news that pushes the narrative that it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter. It's just so inconsistent. But modern technology doesn't work very well if we don't have electricity. And this is where the second part of the scam comes in. You've been convinced that having a child or driving a car or basically living in the modern world is dangerous. It's destroying the planet. Why do you think that? Why do you know that? Well, because rich, powerful people that fly on private jets that emit more CO2 in a single flight than you'll emit in an entire year, even if you're not really careful about what you do, told you that that's the case. They told you that you're responsible for the weather changing. They told you that you're responsible basically for weather modification, despite the fact that the U.S. Air Force and others have been routinely altering the weather for, for decades and decades and decades. And no, I'm not just talking about HARP. If you take a look at China's weather control program, I mean, here's Bloomberg in 2020. Has China mastered weather modification? Actually, they have. Here's Forbes. China is launching weather control machines across an area the size of Alaska. Here's CNN. China to expand weather modification program to cover area larger than India. Countries like China have weather technology as well. I'm sure that they stole a lot of that from countries like the United States, but they have got, they've got that technology. They can do things to the weather. I mean, if you're spraying sulfur into the atmosphere, if you're flying on a private jet, both of which Bill Gates does, then you are responsible for more CO2, more pollutant, more quote-unquote warming than in an hour then most of us are responsible for in an entire year. Why do they not have to have restrictions on their, their ability to travel? Why do they get to tell us what we can and can't do? Because this is about science. It's about money. It's about power. Why is it that the people like hippies and usually like classical liberals, why, why, are, why are these people suddenly pro-GMO, pro-war, pro-experimental my body, pro philanthropists and billionaires like Bill Gates. Don't these people hate big corporations? Don't these people hate war? Don't these people hate pharmaceutical companies and they don't want to do things? Don't they want to do things natural? Naturally, don't they hate billionaires and, and, and the ideology of, of the billionaire elite classes? But suddenly they support all these things. I mean, hell, mainstream news reported that Bill Gates is the one who called, Bill Gates called U.S. senators and said, you will pass the Inflation Reduction Act. Then the president gets on TV and says, we passed this to go after billionaires. But a billionaire is the one who threatened or bribed or persuaded senators to vote for the act. But it's an anti-billionaire act. And I'm supposed to believe Bill Gates is not going to benefit from it. It's ludicrous. Look it up if you don't believe me. Bill Gates persuaded senators to vote for the Inflation Reduction Act, which was supposed to be an anti-billionaire bill. It wasn't. But he gets to decide. People fly on their private jets like Al Gore. He gets to decide how you live your life, what you do, what you believe. That's the first part of this. And they can justify their political agendas. They can justify their anti-human agendas by convincing you that even though it's cold, even though we're heading into an ice age, 
and that's not my opinion. That's solar activity. It's, it's really still global warming, so we still need to do all of these things to stop global warming from happening. To stop global warming from happening, even though it's actually getting colder and colder and colder. And you can say, oh, there are, there are warming trends here or there. Yeah, sure, there are warming trends. And then there are trends that are cold and then trends that are warm. And what part of the chart are you looking at? Oh, it's been the coldest day or the hottest day on record. Okay, when does that record start? Three years ago? Because if you go back five years, it was actually not that warm. Here in Tucson, it has not. When I moved here before in 2017, I felt temperatures at 170. I remember this so specifically. I moved here in the summer. It was like 117. I think we got up to 121 one day. It has not been hotter than 115 since I moved here uh, over the last year I've lived here. So it was it was warmer in 2017 than it is right now. And that's also, even though that's a personal experience I had, that's also something that the that the uh, local uh, 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 weather, I forget what it's called. It's on top of Mount Lemmon that they do the weather. It's like the NOAA emergency broadcast. That's what they've been saying. If you listen to it, the temperature for this day is actually cooler than it's been. It's been colder consistently in Tucson. And this is one of the hottest places in the country. And it's been cooler here. What does that mean? How am I supposed to quantify that? The bottom line is, Air conditioners and having shelter, this is the reason people don't die from heat waves and they don't die from from cold. They don't die from exposure. But if you don't have electricity to power those things, then it doesn't really matter. Everybody's going to suffer the same. Over the Christmas weekend, and something tells me this is not accidental in more ways than one, according to the Nashville, Tennessee, in a newspaper, Tennessee Valley Authority, this was again Christmas Eve, Tennessee Valley Authority called for temporary energy load reductions or rolling blackouts to stabilize the regional power grid for the first time in its 89-year history. Why was that? Well, TVA Chief Operating Officer Don Mole told the Tennessean on Friday the power operator had to reduce strain on its grid as demand for energy ran nearly 35% higher than expected on a normal winter day. While at the same time, a few of its coal and gas energy facilities were down because of the freezing temperatures. 22,000 customers of Nashville Electric Service reported outages. The number was down from 50,000 earlier in the day. The largest group of outages was in Cane Ridge neighborhood, where an unrelated equipment failure fire impacted 20,000 customers. At least five poles were also damaged by automobile collisions. That's a normal thing that happens. There's an overload, something happens, there's a fire. These are normal things that happen. And blackouts, on the other hand, when they happen, they're, they're normally not intentional Uh, And if they are intentional, they don't normally happen in several places at once. It wasn't just in Tennessee. This is also Christmas Eve. NBC WECT6. Duke Energy conducts rolling blackouts to keep up with high energy demand. Duke's energy outage map showed more than 500,000 people, not 50,000, 500,000 people dealing with outages on Christmas Eve. In an alert on the outage page, Duke says it's conducting the blackouts due to high demands for energy amid the cold weather. So in Tennessee, we have rolling 
blackouts. In North Carolina, we have rolling blackouts. Now, I want to take you back to 2021. Remember in 2021, how we found out, according to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, July 15th, 2021, natural gas companies were paid in Texas to turn off power during the Texas winter storm. According to the authors of a University of Texas Austin report who analyzed the power outages and their financial implications, they found undisclosed data about how the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, the ERCT, that's the grid's manager, responded to the unfolding crisis, which led to widespread outages outages and hundreds of deaths statewide. That's ERCOT. The report was released just before ERCOT announced its own roadmap of 60 proposals to improve the grid. Here's what they found in the report from the University of Texas, Austin. ERCOT's Emergency Response Service program, which pays enrolled customers to reduce the amount of electricity they are purchasing from the grid or start using backup generators during the emergencies, uh, the, the goal is to decrease ERCOT's need to start rolling blackouts according to the agency's website. So... ERCOT's Emergency Response Service Program paid customers to reduce the amount of electricity they used. UT Austin researchers discovered that 67 electric meters run by natural gas companies were enrolled in the program. In turn, those meters, which were part of the fuel supply chain providing energy to millions of Texans, lost power when the program was activated on February 15th. Five of those meters were later identified as critical natural gas infrastructure, including natural gas compressors, processing uh, facilities, or other parts of the supply chain. Natural gas production, storage, and distribution facilities played a key role in the electricity crisis by not providing the amount of fuel demanded by power plants during the storm, the report found. But that's not the only thing that is stunning out of those Texas storms recently, last year. The Department of Energy, right out of Washington, D.C., issued an order, number 202-21-1. Here's what the order said. This is just an unbelievable thing. ERCOT is in the beginning stages of an unprecedented cold weather event brought on by a rare southward excursion of the jet stream into the south-central United States. Remember, the jet stream is controlled by the uh, momentum and the rotation and the axis of the Earth. Because the additional generation of energy may result in a conflict with environmental standards and requirements, the Department of Energy is only authorizing certain forms of additional power generation, and they go into the details to minimize adverse environmental impacts, and ERCOT shall exhaust all reasonably and practically available sources, including available imports, before they go on to produce any of the approved power generation. This is what the report from the Department of Energy said. In other words, natural gas companies were paid to turn off power knowing that many of the meters were critical infrastructure around the time when they needed it. And the federal government said because additional energy generation that could have saved people's lives would conflict with environmental standards and have adverse environmental impacts, you can't turn on the power. Then in Texas, same year actually, a few weeks before we found out this report from the University of Texas, Texas power companies automatically raised the temperature of customers' smart thermostats in the middle of a heat wave. 
So whether it's cold temperatures where their gas companies are paid to turn off power or it's the Department of Energy saying you can't turn on your power because of environmental standards or it's in the middle of a heat wave. Power companies turn up your thermostats so you save power. It's all part of a promotion called Smart Savers Texas run by Energy Hub in partnership with power companies. The program gives Energy Hub permission to adjust participants' smart thermostats remotely during times of peak energy demand. What exactly is considered a reasonable temperature to have in your house, hot or cold? They get to decide that for you. Who gets to have the power? You? Government buildings? The mayor? The governor? I I doubt any powerful person, any wealthy person is experiencing power outages. It's just the poor people like you and I, or the poorer people like you and I. Natural gas companies pay to turn off power during Texas winter storm. Department of Energy ordering Texas power plants not to produce more energy because it would conflict with environmental standards. Power companies in Texas automatically turning thermostats up during a heat wave. What kills people? Cold more than heat, but people can die from heat too. Why do people die from heat and cold? Because, well, you're sensitive. We're not adapted to the environment as well as our ancestors. We live inside. Those things are reasons we could die. If we live outside, though, if we're homeless, that we could be, you know, we could be exposed to extreme heat or extreme cold and die as a result of that. In other words, modern technology, air conditioners, homes, insulation, clothing, heated vests, heated blankets, these are the things that keep us cold or keep us warm when things are really hot or really cold. And if you don't have electricity to power those things because the Tennessee Valley Authority or because Duke Energy are shutting off your power to meet energy demands, you have a problem. And this isn't happening in a third world country this is happening in a first world country where states like texas have enough power to power a large part of the united states not just texas but texas has been forced to shut off their power by the department of energy because they're producing too many greenhouse gases but i thought that the elites cared about people i thought they didn't want people to die that's the whole point of curbing global warming right Not if you live in Texas, you get to freeze to death. You don't get to have an air conditioner. You don't get to have power. And if you do, the government and the corporations will decide how warm or how cool you can keep your thermostat. That's the scam of smart meters and smart thermostats. A lot of people bought that scam. But it's a lot more than that. It's a whole lot more than that. Right before we took break to go to the the top of the hour uh, commercials, I mentioned... Cyber attacks, food shortages, and how that relates to all of this. When we come back from break, we're going to get into the details of that. How the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI have been warning about cyber attacks and attacks on power plants and critical infrastructure. If I didn't know better, and maybe I don't know better, I would think that, well, the United States of America is under some kind of, a, some kind of an attack. Food processors, food manufacturers exploding, burning up, planes hitting them, cyber attacks on critical infrastructure, and now crazed gunmen attacking critical infrastructure in North Carolina. 
in the Pacific Northwest. Over and over and over again. Something weird is happening. We're going to explore when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. A lot more after this. Another year older, another year colder. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food Philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with thedavidknightshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teaching. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. So what do we know so far tonight? We know that a few dozen people have died because of extreme temperatures over the last week and a half. But we also know that almost all of those deaths came in western New York, which... If you live in western New York, you know that these kinds of temperatures and storms are normal. Associated Press said 28 people died from cold, and in the chaos of the winter storms in western New York, largely in Buffalo and the surrounding areas, although the AP also said 34 people died across the United States, they neglected to mention that almost all of those people died in western New York. We also know that NASA says that despite the fact that it's very cold, don't forget about climate change. Climate change is not a hoax just because it's cold. Climate change actually results in cold temperatures. That's part of the reason the name changed from global cooling to global warming to climate change because climate change can be used to imply both cold and hot. And that's precisely what the Canadian press is saying alongside of NASA A professor of geoscience at Simon Fraser University says climate modelers are finding is uh, climate change involves more frequent extremes. You can have high temperatures and low temperatures. 
Here's a quote from the professor from Simon Fraser University. That means during summer, you can have extreme high temperatures, kind of life-threatening high temperatures, such as they've experienced in India and Pakistan in recent years. And you can also have during winter, you also can have during winter, these extreme cold conditions. In other words, in the summertime, it's hot. And in the wintertime, it's cold. But that's actually climate change. Everything that happens is climate change. The Canadian press says one of the reasons for these extremes involves the jet stream. Really? You mean the jet stream that is not controlled by your air conditioner? You mean the jet stream that is controlled by, well, the momentum of the air as it moves away from the equator? The rotation and the axis of the earth? That's the definition from weather.gov. Your air conditioner doesn't cause the earth, the earth's axis, or the, 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 the momentum of the air shifting from the equator doesn't cause any of those things to change. The sun and the moon might. A really powerful earthquake might. But definitely not your air conditioner. So NASA tells us that you might have an impulse to deny climate change, become a climate change denier because it's really cold out. But remember, Earth is actually warming up all over the place. This is, this is a consistent trend we see. What we know, though, is that consistent trend is based on graphs that go up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. And they focus on the cold trend as it begins to shift back up into hot and tell us we've never seen temperatures like this on record. But that's because they've cut the record off at a specific time. For example, if you look at things like wildfires, they tell us wildfires are terrible today and Wildfires are destroying the, you know, the, the, the natural environment. But the reality of the situation is there are actually less wildfires today and less heat waves today than there have been for, well, going on almost 100 years. There were more heat waves in the 1930s than there are today. But if you look at the chart and you zoom in on 2010 through 2013, this is from the Environmental Protection Agency, a graph from 1895 to 2020, you see that in 2010, they spiked. In fact, they spiked to the highest rate of heat waves since the 1930s. But only then, they're about 15% of the annual heat waves or the heat wave index as of the 1930s. And then it drops back down again. The chart is up, down, up, down, up, down from the Environmental Protection Agency. In the same way that if you look at climate-related deaths, more people die from cold to the tune of millions and millions and millions a year, half a million die of heat. So warming temperatures actually save hundreds of thousands of lives. But climate-related deaths, if you look at climate-related deaths from the 1920s until today, the number has consistently dropped, 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 dropped. In the 1920s, about half a million people died a year from floods, droughts, storms, wildfires, and extreme temperatures. As of 2021, the number is down below 10,000. And the trend, we can assume, will continue to go down, 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 because we keep adapting, we keep adjusting, and that's what we know for sure. That's what we know for certain. We also know something else. We also know that the sun plays a pivotal role in temperatures on planet Earth. We know that the Telegraph published a very famous article in 2015, and Science Magazine also reported on the data that solar activity is diminishing and that from 2015 to 2030 we can expect 
60% reduction in solar activity, sunspots basically disappearing. This would cause, according to Science Magazine, the decline in northern hemisphere temperatures, which would make them similar to the freezing conditions seen in Western Europe during the 17th century. What they're referring to there is the Maunder Minimum. Maunder Minimum is the prolonged sunspot minimum, a period around the mid-1600s to early 1700s when sunspot activity became rare. During a period of about three decades, observations revealed only about 50 sunspots. Temperatures got really, really cold. So if you use the prolonged sunspot minimum as your record, then temperatures have been increasing since the 16 and 1700s. They've been increasing quite steadily. But now, the temperatures are starting to steadily drop. And we are heading toward another ice age. I've been saying that for over a decade. I'm not a scientist. I've just been reading what scientists have been publishing. Those scientists don't get the talk. They're the, the, the 3% that don't agree with the consensus that the Earth is warming up. But that's all about context. Because if you look at the Maunder Minimum in that period of time, the Earth is warming up from that period of time. If you go back about 400 to 500 years before the Maunder Minimum began, you have a period of extreme warm temperatures, the medieval warm period. And during that time, it was hotter than it is today. So you go from the medieval warm period where it's hot, then solar activity is reduced to basically nothing. So you have the prolonged sunspot minimum. So it's extremely cold and then temperatures heat up again. This is a chart you don't have to see on some government website. Look up medieval warm period, look up Maunder minimum, and then you'll see the temperatures were hot, then they're cold, then they're increasing again, and then they're going to get cold again as we move into the next ice age. These are not debatable things. These are factual pieces of historical and scientific data. So we know that the sun is cooling off, if you will, and we're heading toward very cold temperatures. What we also know is that those cold temperatures are being called side effects of climate change. Because there has to be some kind of justification, obviously, for the global warming, everything's going to burn up and melt narrative not turning out to be that true. There has to be some justification to, well, debate and debunk people who say, well, hold on a second, in the summertime it's hot, in the wintertime it's cold. But yeah, but these are extreme temperatures, And then you look at the records and it's actually not much more extreme or less extreme. It's pretty much the same as it's been for decades and hundreds of years. What we also know is the last ice age lasted about 100,000 years, roughly, 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 roughly. The last glacial maximum was about 17,000 B.C., somewhere around there. They give you a specific date. Uh, It's like 17, 18,000, somewhere around there. Then, after the ice began to melt, there was actually a period of warming that shifted to freezing again, like quickly. About 14,500 years ago, uh, Earth's climate began to shift from a cold glacial world to a warm interglacial state. And partway through that transition, this is like the end of the last glacial maximum and the end of the last ice age, suddenly, out of nowhere, temperatures in the northern hemisphere just returned to glacial conditions. And you might think, well, that's a couple hundred, that's a couple thousand years here or there. But in geological terms, that's not really a lot at all. So the arrogance and the conceit of the average human being to believe that because you have an air conditioner, which is a relatively 
modern and industrial and Western thing that even a lot of the Western world doesn't have because Americans have air conditioners, the planet is heating up. How arrogant to think that because you run an air conditioner, the planet's climate is shifting. The sun, the moon, the axis, the momentum, all of these things of the earth, the planetary bodies, and how powerful the sun is, if it's heading into a maximum or a minimum, this decides whether the temperatures are hot, cold, and what level of extreme weather we have. Talk about extreme weather. How about the, the, the giant glaciers that were covering the northern part of the United States and Canada and most of, of, of Europe? That's pretty extreme, isn't it? We have nothing like that today. We have the Arctic regions, but nobody lives there really, so we don't experience it firsthand. That's what a lot of this is about, what we experience, what's convenient to us, what's inconvenient to us. It's very arrogant, very self-centered, very egocentric. It's all about us. I mean, it's the modern equivalent of the, the earth is the center of the universe. The earth is the center of the solar system. It's the modern equivalent of that. So the younger Dryas happens, and then suddenly things become warm again. And we have where we are today, which some scientists believe, and I'm inclined to, um, to consider the possibility that the last hundred years of Ice Age, it's, we're just basically in a period of a few thousand years where things are warming. And then they're going to get cold again. But within that warming, you also have periods of warm and cold, warm and cold, warm and cold, warm and cold. Just like the charts from the EPA show you have with heat waves, just like the charts from the U.S. Forest Service show that we had in the 1920s and 30s, lots of forest fires. Now, uh, it's uh, I think it's like tw- as of 2020, it's 25% of what was burned in the 30s is burned because we have new ways to adapt and to control those fires. Where you get most of those fires is in the green environmental areas where they don't want to do forest management, even though humans move into the forest and disrupt the natural order. We are natural, so we're there, but we're doing things that are that are unnatural. So we have to do things to the forest to manage it to prevent these fires. We don't do that. Then, oh, no, suddenly people's homes are burning down. That's because of climate change. The whole thing is manufactured. It's it's a it's a false narrative. And it's manufactured on so many inconsistencies that nobody can keep up with it. What we know is that air conditioners are good. Air conditioners save people's lives. We know that shelter is good. Shade is good. It saves people's lives, whether cold or hot. Instead of helping people that need the help, we just say nobody can have air conditioners. Nobody can have cars. Nobody can have families. And who tells us that? Well, the people that fly around in private jets that emit more CO2 in an hour or two hours, maybe, maybe at least in a single trip, then you'll emit in several years of your life. And that's living as an American or as a, as a Chinese person, which Americans and Chinese people emit more CO2 than any other part of the world. But if we had, I don't know, we had air conditioners and we were able to continue naturally to advance technologically. We have gasoline-powered vehicles. We have jet uh, engines that are more efficient so we don't use as much fuel and we can get farther on you know, a tank of fuel And then we slowly adapt and adjust into new technologies like hybrid technologies. I mean, the Japanese have had that for decades. And uh, from what I've heard of the Toyota CEO, he does not want to participate in this drastic um, electric transition because it's 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 a scam. It's worthless. It's it's actually quite dangerous uh, to just shift everything to that automatically. It's going to overload the grid and we're not going to have any power. The whole thing's going to shut down. 
Sounds like a crazy conspiracy theory, but that's just the reality of the situation. And it's also not really a conspiracy theory. It's actually a fact because over the weekend we had in Tennessee and in North Carolina rolling blackouts. Now, it's probably not because people were plugging in their electric cars. It's probably because there wasn't enough energy and temperatures were really cold and I don't know this part for sure, but I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure that it has something to do with environmental regulations. Why do I think that? Well, because we know in Texas, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and the and, and, uh, University of Texas Austin reported that natural gas companies were paid to turn off power during the Texas winter storm. Remember that big winter storm that went through Texas? We also know because we have the Department of Energy order number 202-21-1 that ERCOT, which is the uh, Emergency Response Service Program, Electric Reliability Council of Texas, the grid manager, they were told to not increase power output by the Department of Energy. Why? Well, quote from the Department of Energy, because the additional generation may result in a conflict with environmental standards and requirements. As a result of that, a lot of people died from those extreme cold temperatures. Now, in Tennessee, the Tennessee Valley Authority has initiated rolling blackouts. Power's back on now. 50,000 plus customers roughly were out of power. The largest outage was in Cane Ridge neighborhood, where there was an unrelated equipment failure, which resulted in a fire impacting 20,000 customers. That's in Tennessee. In North Carolina, Duke's energy outage map showed 500,000 people out of power, almost exclusively because of rolling blackouts. They don't have enough power. Texas didn't have enough power because the Department of Energy told them to shut it off. And now, now we kind of find out that there's a little bit more to the story. It's not just incompetence. It's not just negligence. It's not just powerful rich people telling us what we can and can't do. Damage caused by gunfire at two electric substations in Moore County, North Carolina, at the beginning of December, caused massive power outages leaving 45,000 residents without power at the peak of the outages as temperatures dipped into freezing at night. Schools were forced to close, traffic control systems were knocked offline, and the lack of electricity impacted the ability of area businesses to operate. The FBI, the Energy Department, which is funny, the Homeland Security Department and other federal and state local authorities are leading the probe, including the Moore County Sheriff Ronnie Fields, suggesting that whoever orchestrated the attack knew exactly what they were doing to cause the damage and cause the outage that they did. That's another thing. I mean, you might think, well, I'll just take a power pole out. Well, they can replace that pretty easily. Uh, you go to a, 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 a substation and you know exactly what to blow up or what to shoot. You have to have some kind of knowledge, some kind of understanding. I mean, maybe they're not telling the public, but is it a former employee? Is it someone with intimate knowledge of, of the grid? The average person doesn't even know where their power comes from. They don't even have, they have no idea. But we're to believe that random people are going and blowing up substations and shooting substations. I, I, I don't buy that. Shots were also fired earlier in December near a power station in Kershaw County, South Carolina. So that's in North Carolina and South Carolina. Power station, substations attacked by people with Rifles in November, five electrical substations in the Pacific Northwest were attacked and federal, state and local agencies 
are also investigating those incidences or incidents. A substation in Clack, uh, Clackamas County, Oregon, was damaged in a deliberate physical attack on the morning of Thanksgiving. Two substations in southwestern Washington's Collitz County were vandalized in mid-November, while another two substations in Puget Sound were attacked in late November. In 2015, Congressional Research Services published a report explaining how the U.S. power grid features 200,000 miles of high-voltage transmission lines and hundreds of large transformer substations. High-voltage transformers are less than 3% of all U.S. transformers, but carry between 60 to 70% of the electricity load. The CRS report noted, quote, there is widespread agreement among government agencies, utilities, and manufacturers that HV transformers in the United States are vulnerable to terrorist attack and that such an attack could have catastrophic consequences. Here's another story. ABC News. The Federal Department of Homeland Security issued a bulletin warning, quote, lone offenders and small groups could be plotting attacks and that the nation's critical infrastructure was among the possible targets. And this was just three days before the attack in North Carolina. The Homeland Security National Terrorism Advisory System Bulletin issued November 30th said individuals and groups motivated by a range of ideological beliefs and personal grievances continue to pose a persistent and lethal threat to the homeland. Now, if you read the White House's definition of what is, an, what is a domestic terrorist, what is a domestic violent extremist, it's people that don't believe that Joe Biden won the election. It's people that question that as they have a right to question it. It's people that don't believe in vaccines. L- literally, if you read the White House's uh, publication on this, we've read it on the show before. It's people that question the January 6th event or the narrative of January 6th. In other words, it's politically motivated definitions of quote-unquote terrorism. Homeland Security says, quote, targets of potential violence include public gatherings, faith-based institutions, the LGBTQ plus IAYZ community, schools, racial and religious minorities, government facilities and personnel, U.S. critical infrastructure, the media, and perceived ideological opponents. In other words, ideological opponents are being grouped in with critical infrastructure. So if you disagree with LGBTQIA plus XYZ, you might as well have attempted to sabotage a power substation. And that's not my opinion. That's literally what ABC News reported. That's exactly what the Homeland Security Department said in their advisory bulletin. In April of 2013, this has happened before, a group of suspects holding high-powered rifles staged an attack in California's Silicon Valley, shooting up the P. GEC or Pacific Gas and Electric Company's Metcalf substation. That was nine years ago. It has happened before. So let's keep that in mind before we run wild with conspiracies or conspiracy theories. On December 10th, this is from The Guardian, attacks on Pacific Northwest power stations raise fear for U.S. electric grid. A string of attacks on power facilities in Oregon and Washington has caused alarm and highlighted the vulnerabilities of the U.S. electric grid. 40,000 people in North Carolina, hundreds, perhaps thousands or tens of thousands across the United States in similar incidences. Portland General Electric, a public utility that provides electricity to nearly half of the state's population, said it had begun repairs after suffering a, quote, deliberate physical attack on one of the substations. This was, again, back in November. However, it's not just confined to those stories. The day after Christmas, just yesterday, 
Four power substations were vandalized in Washington state. 14,000 people lost power. The search continues to the, today, even, for vandals who targeted four power stations, uh, substations on Christmas Day in Pierce County, Washington, setting fire to at least one of the facilities and knocking out power to more than 14,000 utility customers. Two of the break-ins were at Tacoma Public Utilities substations, and two others were at Puget Sound Energy Station, according to the Sheriff's Office in Pierce County, which encompasses Tacoma. In all four of these episodes, the saboteurs broke into the fenced-off power stations and deliberately damaged equipment, according to the Sheriff's Office. Also, separate note, amid, amid the energy crisis, uh, Germany is returning to coal, by the way, because they just don't have enough energy. However, the reason I bring all of this up as a crescendo for tonight's show is to show you, one, the narrative of climate change and to show you the, the, the um, medieval warm period and the Maunder minimum. And then basically what we're experiencing now is we're moving into another ice age. Some scientists believe this is part of the last ice age. In geological terms, humans have been here for no time at all. A few hundred years or a few thousand years in geological terms is a short period of time. And things can change rapidly in that short period of time. And we just happen to be here. So we're blaming ourselves for the change in the, it changes in the environment. Hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. But we also know that the Department of Energy has intentionally threatened and forced power companies to turn off power in winter conditions in Texas. In other cases, we know that just this weekend, Nashville, Tennessee... Other parts of Tennessee and in North Carolina, power was cut off 15, 20 minutes at a time because they didn't have enough energy. How much you want to bet the Department of Energy is behind that because the power plants aren't allowed to produce energy because it could affect the climate. Or as the Department of Energy memo to ERCOT says, conflict with environmental standards and requirements. Remember the, the cyber polygon exercise of the World Economic Forum? And then the Federal Bureau of Investigation published this notification about ransomware attacks on agricultural cooperatives, potentially timed to critical seasons, it says. That was in April of this year. And then remember back in April of 2020, when the New York Times even reported, instead of coronavirus, the hunger will kill us. Global food crisis because of lockdowns and shutdowns. Then the definition of a global food crisis and the and the causative factor the causative agent was shifted by the un to the war in ukraine time magazine ap march 30th this year the war in ukraine is creating the greatest global food crisis since world war ii so it was the virus it was mitigation and policies and lockdowns but then as soon as putin enters into ukraine the un says it's actually the war in ukraine that's causing the food crisis so the fbi warns about attacks on agricultural cooperatives COVID-19 was blamed for food shortages, and then that shifted to the war in Ukraine. And then suddenly, all throughout the United States, we started to see food shortages exacerbated by fires and plane crashes and explosions at dozens of food processing facilities. Not just in the U.S., but in Canada as well. A plane crashed into a General Mills plant east of Atlanta. A massive fire destroyed parts of the Azure Standard headquarters in Oregon, a company described as the largest independent food distributor in the United States. Honey, oil, vinegar, things like that. Firefighters contended with a massive blaze at Taylor Farms Package Salad Plant in California. 
That same day, an airplane crashed into Idaho's Jim State Processing Facility. Firefighters from several departments in Maine helped battle a massive fire that destroyed East Conway Beef and Pork Butcher Shop. A major fire forced the closure of Nestle Plant in Arkansas. The Penobscot McCrum Potato Processing Facility in Maine was also destroyed in a fire earlier this year. In Canada, fire crews and paramedics responded after an explosion at the center. Uh, this is the center. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce this in French. An industrial food preparation and processing facility in Quebec. In late March of this year, fire at the Maricopa Food Pantry, just north of me here in Arizona, destroyed 50,000 pounds of food. A portion of Wisconsin River Meats was destroyed by fire in February. Another fire in February sparked by a boiler explosion reportedly at a potato chip plant in Oregon sent several people to the hospital with minor injuries. A third fire in February caused Louis Dreyfus Company Claypoy uh, Clay Soybean Processing and Biodiesel Plant, the largest fully integrated soybean processing plant in the U.S., to suspend production. A blaze at a poultry plant in Hamilton, uh, Hamilton region of Ontario caused extensive damages. No injuries reported to people, but the plant went down. Firefighters responded to a fire at the Cargill Neutrina plant in Louisiana. Another fire caused $100,000 in damages to San Antonio Food Processing Plant. A fire engulfed the Made Right Steak Co. Food Processing Plant in Pennsylvania. Another fire, JBS U.S. Beef Processing Plant in Grand Island, Nebraska. The same company that was the victim of a cyber attack, if you remember that. Fire damaged a portion of the facility. They saved the rest of it. Another fire, this was back in 2021, damaged the Patak Meat Production Company in Georgia. Kellogg's factory in Tennessee also was burned. Firefighters battled a large fire at River Valley Ingredients Plant in Alabama. And the list goes on and 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 on. Does anybody find this strange or at least interesting? Warnings of cyber attacks. Then we have cyber attacks on everything from schools to critical infrastructure to things like meat, JBS, one of the biggest meat producers and distributors in the world. And then we have food shortages magnified not by the pandemic, but by the war in Ukraine, not by the pandemic and certainly not by all these fires and plane crashes and explosions, but only by the war in Ukraine. And then as wintertime approaches, just like in Texas, Tennessee, and North Carolina have rolling blackouts from North Carolina to Oregon, the Pacific Northwest. We have power substations attacked by people who know apparently what they're doing, blowing up key parts of the substations to cause blackouts, and power outages. Sounds like the country is under attack. It sounds like we're engaged in some kind of conflict with an enemy that we don't know. We don't know who they are. My bet, my best bet would be that they're probably sitting in the White House. They're probably responsible for blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline. They're probably responsible for policies that lead to food shortages. They're probably responsible for the explosions and the fires and the sabotage at all these food plants, food distributors, etc. They're probably responsible for well, the rolling blackouts and the attacks on these power stations to bring the country to its knees. Power and food. You take both of those things out. You don't have a country. No need for nuclear bombs. No need for nuclear war. Just a lot of propaganda and a few saboteurs. Another year, 
older, another year colder. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. I hope that you enjoyed the show. I hope that you learned something. We might pick this show up again at another point relatively soon and discuss some of the other implications of this because it's it's a lot more than what we discussed tonight and we can get into a lot more detail about it, but we are out of time. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com. Please subscribe. Please buy a book. Keep us on air that way. The show airs Monday through Friday, five nights a week, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific on GroundZero.radio. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, and we will talk to you on the next broadcast. Broadcast.